Welcome back to the Southminster Advent Daily Devotional Podcast. My name is Josh Sweeney, Director of Children and Youth Ministries, and it is Monday, December 19th. We have lit the candle of love. It was a great day in the church yesterday for lessons and carols. And so thank you to Ruth and all of the singers and orchestra that had, everyone that was involved in there. Um, if you didn't get a chance to see the service, you can check it out online on our YouTube page. Uh, but today I have Elizabeth Davis here with me. Uh, we are gonna be reading through Marge Lawson's reflection. Um, Elizabeth, uh, if you could please just introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, I am Elizabeth Davis. I was born into this congregation and unlike everybody else in my youth fellowship group, I was too lazy to leave town. So I'm still here. You can find me in the front row some days um, with the rest of my folks. What does, uh, what does Christmas look like in the Davis household? What, is, what are y'all's kind of traditions? Well, our current traditions is that I usually have Christmas Eve with my parents because I go to church with mm-hmm. them. Unless they're off visiting relatives, which they don't in before um, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then we have a separate gift miss. That's because Jeanette, my twin sister, works in healthcare. Oh, yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, and if you could uh, go ahead and start reading uh, Marge's reflection, starting there, there with uh, the Galatians 4 9 verse. Now you have come to be known by God, Galatians 4 9. Reflection. The exuberant years. That was the title of the book given to me as I begun as a junior high fellowship leader. On that first Sunday evening of Advent, excitement ran high as the youth learned that they would be making Christmas, symbols that remind us that Christmas is a celebration of Jesus' birthday. White symbolizes that Jesus was pure and perfect. Gold symbolizes Jesus' majesty and glory. Note real quick, those are the only two colors used in a chrismond. Mm-hmm. So the youth eagerly went to work with white foam board, patterns, cutting devices, glue, and gold glitter in hand, crafting stars, fish, crowns, and crosses. They joyously ran to the narthex and placed their creations on the live tree. And then I turned on the 200 tiny white lights. Everyone suddenly fell silent in the trance of awe at the beauty before them. And we read together the Christmas story from Luke. Decades later, I cherished the memory of the precious God moment. And then she has a response there. Um, what God moment do you cherish at this Advent season. I, I like that Marge here, you know, being a f- junior high fellowship leader, you know, that kind of stood out to me, you know, where she's kind of leading this uh, group of students, um, you know, I would think sixth to eighth graders, which is just such a fun time and just a fun group of students. You know, I've been in youth ministry working in some capacity for almost 15 years. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious of how, you know, this kind of turned out and just the kind of individual creation of each Chrismon. And um, I love, yeah, that thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, that's the only two colors that you see on a Chrismon, a gold and white. And this was, I think, the first time in a long time Southminster has had a Chrismon tree going, I think. Um, I'm not sure if uh, they've had one in the past or if you remember that. I don't remember that, but my parents do because apparently the Chrismon tree used to be the tree 
tree that we now have the gift ornament the gift ornaments on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. somehow that got turned from a chrismon tree to just a gift ornament tree. Right. Growing up where I did, we had a chrismon tree in our sanctuary every year. And it was part of the worship service, you know, that people could pick a chrismon. Um, so you would go up, you would have communion, and then there would be a table of chrismons there. And so people got to place the chrismons onto the tree. And um, my dad was 6'5 at the time. And so he would pick up each one of my my sister and I. And we, I think it was probably a 12 foot tree, you know, and so we could try to get to, you know, as, as full to the top or as close to the top as that we could. And so I remember, you know, kind of being, being, um, uh, special, you know, because my dad could, you know, lift us up to the top. And then next thing you know, all the kids were running to my dad and he was just lifting kids left and right. All right. What about what God moment do you cherish at the Advent season? Do you have a, do you have a God moment that you cherish, Elizabeth? I mean, I'm just always constantly thinking about the production of God spell that I saw altar. I was mm. trying to call it incarnation, but no, that's altar. altar oh yeah, altar on, high school. In which the same person who played Paul the Baptist also played Judas. Oh, fun. Yeah, because something that's always been brought up throughout all the Christmases at Southminster, at least one Sunday we'll have a sermon talking about how, at least when you're going with John's gospel, right? you have foreshadowing for the death and resurrection already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's what I think this, I, I don't think I've thought about it as much over the years until you know, this year when we had Georgina come in and talk about, you know, Palm Sunday and that relationship with Hanging of the Greens and a few other ones where, yeah, really tying in the Easter and Advent stories are, um, they're not as much separate, I think, as what we, we keep them to be, that there's there's a lot more similarities. Yes, there is when you start talking about um, the nature of sacred time versus ordinary time. Mm-hmm. What do, you, what do you mean by sacred time versus ordinary I've time? I've been struggling with trying to find sacred time for several years now. It's sure. a concept that came across in anthropological research. And the best way I can find describe, since I've experienced a few instances of it, ordinary time is linear. Mm-hmm. And sacred time is when everything is happening all at once. So when G- Jesus is being born, Jesus is dying, Jesus is coming back. They're not separate episodes that happened in the far past, they are still happening. Okay. And psych- and the cyclic nature of absorbing s- uh, observation seemed to help put you in that framework. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is born every year and dies and comes back in, in a way that we can see reflected in the environment. Yeah, 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 okay. There's no, um, no mystery that we have um, Jesus born during the death what we would consider the deadest time of the year. Right. Especially since for our ancestors, this would... You know, when the food supplies are starting to look a little <laughs> bit low. Sure. And we have Jesus die and die, and we have the um, funeral observations while life is blooming around us. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, not, not necessarily a yin and yang, but also, you know, just kind of a representation of the fullness of kind yeah. of our stories well, more than. You could um, say it's a bit of yin and yang if you remember that you have a little bit of yang and a little bit of yin in each of those. Right. And the symbols. So. Yeah. You know, because we, we know the ends of the story. We know how the story begins and how the story ends. And so we can carry both sides of those, you know, together yeah. and, and make it, you know, kind of one infinite loop instead of, all right, now it's caroling in Christmas time. So let's, you know, we, we, we're only happy, you know, I think 
Steve, uh, Pastor Steve has said it a few times, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy. You know, we can, we can have happy, happy, joy, joy in both, and we can have sadness and sorrow in both. One thing that was, we kind of lost um, so, some of the um, sadness, uh, and that can be a whole longer discussion about how Christmas has, has evolved in the Western sphere mm-hmm. since the, I'd say, Victorian period is when we start getting this romanticization of Christmas. Right. And then we have talking about uncomfortableness of death, which is much more recent. Mm-hmm. Because I was listening to a YouTube video, History Tea Time, that was discussing the 12 days of Christmas as they would be celebrating medieval times. And there's mm-hmm. several saint days that fall upon this time. So, And one of these is the slaughter of the holy innocent. Mm-hmm. And which she was making of a particular hymn as of a mother... Um, seeing a lullaby to her dead child and was talking about how this would have been very um, impactful to the community because for most of the women there, they had, if they had survived childbirth um, a number of times, they had at least seen one child die on them. Oh, High nice. child mortality. So that, I just learned about that because I know we've discussed in previous years about the slaughter of the holy innocents, mm-hmm. but it's something that's only occasionally brought up. Right. And it's not normally remembered as part of the Christmas mm-hmm. story. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely something we gloss over pretty and, pretty quickly. And there is a whole debate of whether or not it happened, but the portent but we can put that aside for now to talk about the important symbol that we have Jesus and Joseph fleeing to Egypt with mm-hmm. the slaughter behind them. Right. Right after the heels of this miraculous birth. Right. And really wishing the shepherds, you know, maybe had left some stuff behind for them to eat on the way out. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and I think going back to the, you know, kind of the fuller picture of things, you know, it brings in the story of Moses, you yes. know, and, and, and the similarities that come into play, you know, within the Hebrew Hebrew text and kind of what is used there. This is a this is a grander picture than just, you know, kind of these two chapters, you know, I yeah. think is what both of them give. And that's when we talk about the parallelism with mm-hmm. um, Christ about Messiah, yeah. At the biblical time. And then we would sit there and then I'd be like, shoot, which was the stuff that this was in John versus Luke again? Right, and exactly. Yeah, I, I think for me, switching gears kind of back to this uh, question, what God moment do you cherish at this Advent season? Um, in staff meeting, we talk about highs, lows, and buffaloes. You know, and so what was your high for the week? What was your low for the week? And then the buffalo was where you saw God. And yeah, I think you know, just kind of hearing everyone's stories around the way of how God, you know, kind of spoke to them, you know, in the midst of, you know, as a staff, because it is harder to, you know, kind of when you're the one, you know, when you when you're part of the team that, you know, kind of prepares things for others, it's really hard to kind of find, you know, kind of those God moments there. And so kind of like echoing a little bit of Marge's, uh, you know, sentiment with her junior high, you know, for me working with the children on, you know, the upcoming Christmas pageant, you know, and, and we haven't done that in years, I think, um, you know, kind of from what I've been talking to people. And then the last two years, we've only done a recording because, you know, within the pandemic, it was harder to gather. And so I think for me, you know, kind of preparing and getting ready for the Christmas pageant and what that is going to kind of do for some of the kids. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a pageant in the sense of, you know, we're putting on a play. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you, you know, like we did the fitting, you know, for the kids and their uh, outfits a few weeks ago. And so, you know, kind of seeing that, you know, kind of take place and kind of how this is 
starting to to unfold, I'm really um, going to cherish, you know, kind of that time together and, and seeing those kids do those kind of things. So I'm excited about that, I think, is what I'm probably most looking forward to and in, in how God shows up in, in those cases. And, and, I'm, and I'm hoping, you know, that those kids, you know, 30, 40 years from now, when they have to write, you know, a devotion for the church that they're in, they can maybe talk about the time they were in a pageant and, you know, that, that, that meant something. So excited about that. You know, that'll be um, six o'clock Christmas Eve here in the sanctuary. Um, well, Elizabeth, this was fun having you in. Is there anything that you would like to say kind of as we close and as we wrap up? Well, the Davises will be at the 8 o'clock service uh-huh. on Christmas Eve if you need someone to sit with. Well, um, well, again, thank you so much for coming in. It was, it was awesome being able to talk to you and, and uh, being able to read Marge Lawson's reflection. And she also included a prayer, uh, if you don't mind reading that prayer. Dear God, I am awed that you chose to come to us as a baby. May I treasure you in my heart, your God moments. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Elizabeth.